Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome. Thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company. My special guest in the studio is Dana Petrie. Dana, welcome to the program. Hello, thank you very much. It's good to have you here. Now, interesting enough, only a couple of weeks ago we had your dad come and share his testimony here. Mm-hmm. Unbeknownst to me at the time, we didn't know that you would be actually here in the Kurumbong Morissette area. And we've taken advantage of that, and now we're going to hear your story. <laughs> wonderful. This is good. Yeah. Father, daughter, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's wonderful, yeah. So you don't live here at the moment. Where do you live and what do you do at the moment? Um, at the moment, I'm living in Adelaide. I moved quite far away from home um, after I graduated oh. from college, but um, I have a teaching position over there at one of mm. our Adventist schools, Prescott College Southern, and I teach grade one. Grade one. Okay, yes. these are the youngies. These are the youngies, little six-year-olds. Wow, you so. must be a very patient person. Look, um, God teaches me patience every day. Right, so <laughs> you're there actually to round off your character. I definitely am. (laughs) (laughs) Look, little kids are lovely, but I guess at times they can be challenging when they all come together. Definitely, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how long have you been doing that? This is my third year of doing that. So starting to kind of get comfortable in my role and just starting to figure out what I'm doing and... Nice. Okay. Yeah. Starting to get on top of things. That's always good when you start feeling more comfortable and things aren't as uh, odd and strange anymore. Yes, definitely. Mm. But it must be nice to be up here visiting with your folks as well. Yes, definitely refreshing to be home with family. I think I always take advantage of holidays and make sure I come home um, regularly, as regularly as I can. So. Well, it's good to be in the same country, but look, Adelaide's a long way away. <laughs> definitely. It may as well be its own country. Yeah, it's, it's very, like very two separated. hours plus minus, depending on which way the wind blows. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> to get there and back. And then, of course, the airport's a long way away from here as well. Yes, it is. So. Wow. Now, you've come here to have a holiday, but um, something tells me that you haven't exactly just been, you know, relaxing and doing nothing. What have you been up to since you've been here? Yeah, so... Um, Dad and I have been up to a very exciting project together, which um, we've been talking about for years and mm. saying we should really do this, we should really do this. But um, Dad's always been really big on his music and he's been writing music um, ever since I can remember. He's been recording, making albums. And um, so I've grown up singing, grown up with music in the home. And Dad has always said, and I've always kind of agreed, you know, maybe I should maybe try an album of my own. Maybe mm. I should try some music of my own. And so um, over these past two weeks, and we'll continue next week, um, um, we've been in our little home studio having a go at recording an album for me. So wow. that's been really exciting. And, um, so you're singing your dad's songs? I'm singing my dad's songs, and yes. You, are you tweaking them or is it the same? Um, some of them I'm tweaking, but some okay. I just love exactly how they are. It's a We're technical just doing term, it. tweak. 
Madrid. <laughs> very. <laughs> but, but I'm very excited to be doing his music, and um, he's been a massive role model for me in, in many areas of my life, and mm. music particularly, the reason that I'm into music now and um, that I'm involved even with my church as praise leader and I'm um, doing music um, throughout um, the state of different churches even is because of his influence. Yeah. And so I definitely, with my first album, wanted that to be a bit of a legacy attributed to him, to do his songs, um, to have him playing the music for me, to be singing with me. Um, right. And that's really special to me. It means a lot to me. So, oh, so, he's, okay, so it's not just a solo no, album. No, will be. There's some, some duets there. Yes, there will be some duets. So I'm very excited. Well, that is exciting because I do enjoy your dad's music. And I'm going to hear the same music with the difference. And, of course, the lead will be not your dad's <laughs> voice but yours. Yes. Um, I'm interested to see how that turns out. But it's very exciting and a special project for Dad and I. Wow. Okay. And have you got a name for the album yet? Um, I will call that Legacy. Simply because it's your dad's legacy of written music? Yes, definitely. And his spiritual wow. journey as well, just um, yeah, annotated out through song, mm. um, which is um, I just found really beautiful listening to that growing up, and I want that to be continued in my life as well. So legacy. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, may God mm. bless uh, what you guys are doing there with, uh, with the music, especially you. You, you're pretty much sharing testimonies and yeah. scripture mm. and insightful things from God's word and his love for us through music. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, what a what a beautiful privilege. I have mm. to wait till the, the kingdom is renewed to actually have a voice that they will be willing to record singing. <laughs> My speaking voice is okay, but yeah, I can hold a tune. But look, I've got uh, what they call small church talent. <laughs> as soon as you get to a church that's got more than 10 people, they would not allow me to sing up the front. <laughs> <laughs> look, talent is talent in my books. Well oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> Well, listen, we've heard a little bit about your your dad, and obviously music played a big part, and obviously spiritual music, and obviously there'd mm. be a spiritual comp- component. Mm. But perhaps let's go back to the beginning, you know, tell us where you were born, uh, mm. and then maybe elaborate a little bit more on the influences as you were growing up with yeah. mum and dad. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was born in South New Zealand, in Vercargill, right down the very, very bottom there. So, oh. yeah, so my earliest memories are just the continual cold and the frosts and walking down to Bluff and seeing the cliffs which are literally the end of the earth. Yes, so, um, that's <laughs> So that was the first five years of my life was spent down there. Um, we moved up to the North Island and stayed in North New Zealand for about 10 years. Okay. Um, and then we shifted to Australia in 2009, and we've been here ever since. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're a New Zealander. I am a Kiwi, yes. I didn't know that for some reason. I didn't know that. I know your, your dad, and I know your dad's dad yes. and mum. Yeah. I didn't realise you were born in Invercargill. I've been in Invercargill in November where the sun had come out and it was warming the place nicely. Five minutes later, the wind blew up, a big <laughs> rain, and it was sleeting. That would make sense. That sounds exactly <laughs> like Invercargill, yes. yes. But the people are beautiful there. I, I have enjoyed Invercargill every time I've gone to visit there. Mm. Okay, so you moved to the North Island. Uh, you're growing up. Do you, uh, are you homeschooled? Do you attend uh, Christian schools? Do you attend government schools? What's the uh, environment like that you're growing up? Obviously good at home, but mm. what about the rest of the environment? Yeah, so um, in my primary schooling, I really loved the environment that I had there. Um, I had the privilege of attending um, the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist School. Okay, you guys in Hamilton. Yeah. Yes, and mm. so um, and Dad was a teacher at that school at that stage. When we moved from the south to the North Islands, we moved for Dad's job there. Okay. Um, so it was um, really great having Dad at school, and he eventually became principal of that school. So I basically lived at school because um, so he would work. Was, so many did he hours. ever teach you? Were you ever in his class? Yes, yes, I was in his class um, in my last. 
year of primary school, he was my teacher. Um, and, I mean, I already had... Were you a model student or did you have to you know, sort you out every oh, now and then? Or? look, I always needed a good sorting out, but <laughs> <laughs> my dad was never afraid to do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but, um, but, yeah, I always respected my dad as an educator and as, mm. um, as, a, as a father figure as well. And so having him as my teacher never really bothered me at all. I, I, yeah, I guess now looking back... Well, you back, know him at home. They say what a person's like at home, mm. that's the, the worst you're going to see them. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I really respected the, the father figure that he was to me at home. And so, of course, when that transferred to school, I respected him as, as an educator, as a teacher. So no and yeah, I look back um, with amazing memories um, of primary school and I wow. loved that environment. It was very nurturing. It was very spiritual, very Christ-centered. Mm. Um, loved it. Yeah, it was Fantastic. great. So you grew up pretty much uh, with the, the concept of God and the Word of God and that as a part of your, I guess, your... Um, your culture and your family culture. Yeah, definitely. And um, and I really appreciated seeing the way that um, our family life at home was really reflected in my education at school. So um, we would always be having family worships together. Friday nights, um, the guitar would always come out or the piano would all gather around. It would be doing music. We'd always be having worships. Um, on the way to school each day, Dad would have my brother and I in the car and he would get us to memorize Bible verses. And Mm. that was our driving to school and home activity, was memorizing Bible verses. And at school, um, when he would teach music, he'd teach us all guitar in the class. I guess your dad plays the guitar. He plays the guitar, yes. Who plays the piano at home? Uh, Dad as well. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, dad is just the all-rounder musician. So um, he, he would teach us all in the class guitar mm. for our music lessons and he would have song books with just beautiful worship songs all through them so we'd be learning to play worship songs um, for homework each week we would be memorizing bible verses it was a very christ-centered home mm. but that translated very much to our education at school as well which um, is, was amazing yeah wow that sounds fantastic mm. matter of fact that seems to be the model if you look at the the bible and what it says about parents and children and about teaching and instructing and encouraging them in the ways of the Lord and talking about the love of God. You know, Deuteronomy 4 and all through Deuteronomy, pretty much there's the encouragement of the parents to talk to the children when they're lying down, when they're sitting up, when they're going by the wayside. Mm. And it sounds like even when you guys were going by the wayside, <laughs> yes, <literally. laughs> your dad was talking about the Lord. Yes, he and was. And you guys were memorizing scripture. Mm. Wow. Okay, well, you guys must have been saints all the way through your life then. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> okay. I, I, um, when we transitioned to high school, um, in the North Island there is only one Adventist high school. Mm. That's, in, that's Longburn College. Okay. And so if you're from anywhere that is not Longburn, um, you have to go to the boarding school there if you want an Adventist high school education. Okay. And, um my brother went for part of his high schooling, part of one year, mm. but ended up disliking it very much, and they kind of brought him back. And so when it came to my turn to go to high school... Brother's a little bit older than you. He's older, yeah, yeah, older by a year, yes. So when it came to my turn, we thought, okay, well, we'll just attend a Christian high school um, in our Hamilton region. Right. Um, so it wasn't an Adventist high school. Mm. And, of course, when my environment changed and suddenly everyone around me was not an Adventist, mm. in fact, not everyone was even a Christian, okay. that's when things kind of started to change for me and I um, realized kind of firsthand that that the power of influence and what influences you allow in your life and the people that you allow into your life, which I hadn't really experienced before. Sure. It was probably not the best okay. <laughs> experience. I I'm made just, not the best choices there. I'm but. curious, are you exposed to something that's foreign to you, pretty much? Yes, very much so. Yeah. So 
Um, how do you deal with that? I mean, that would be quite challenging because uh, you've got to feel your way through now. Mm. And obviously you have some of the principles that you've been raised with will, will, will help guide you. Mm. But I know myself as well when I left an Adventist school and then ended up in a secular school, all of a sudden exposed to things and language. Not saying that the Adventist school was perfect because there were challenges there as well, mm. but not to the same level. Mm. <laughs> and the exposure and the temptations and it definitely had an effect. And um, yeah, so maybe talk us through that. Yeah, definitely. I entering into that school and that that environment, I I just really wanted to have friends. I wanted mm, to be liked, um, and so the people that I ended up falling into friendship with straight away were ones that would kind of say, "Hey, Dana, go and sit on this hill on the field and tell us if teachers are coming. We're just going to have a few cigarettes." And so I'd say, oh, okay, yeah, what if you want? Oh, so That's you were the sentinel on the hill, you know, pretty, checking out for danger. Yes, I was. And so I'm sitting there watching out for teachers and they're having their cigarettes. Like, oh, Dana, do you want a cigarette? I'm like, nah, nah, I'm good. Like, <laughs> but still just kind of like being influenced by those people so that um, the the idea that people would um, be damaging their health in that way or be uh, participating in those activities in mm. the school environment was very foreign to me. But yeah. um, not knowing how to handle that, I kind of thought, oh, I'll just kind of, you know, be there and play along. And, sure. Um, and you want to have friends. I mean, God has yeah. made us social creatures, and yeah. obviously it becomes important who we associate with. But you're new to all this, mm. and you know, as far as you're concerned, everybody's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was very, very naive. And yeah. um, uh, unfortunately for me, um, as I kind of continued through that school, in my second year of being in that high school, I continued to be with that crowd, and I got mixed up with alcohol in that crowd, and actually ended up getting suspended from my high school for a week, and oh. it was it was awful. And um, as you can imagine, my my God loving parents had raised me in this particular way when they discovered this, and when they got that call from the school of you know you need to come and pick your daughter up, um, they were devastated yeah. and like quite upset of like how did this happen? Like we we raised you in this particular way, we gave you this environment. Like what's happened? Mm. And um, when I reflect back on that time, I think what happened for me dur- during that experience was that I had transitioned in my mind from the fact that, yes, I'd been raised this way and that kind of giving me, given me as good of a start as they could with these forms of spirituality and religion. Mm. But for me, I had to make that real for myself. I had to right. transition that from the forms to the experience with God and the power of God. And so for me in that scenario, yeah. at that time in my mind, I thought, there's there's no big deal. No one's given me a good enough reason not to just try this. And like my friends are doing it. Why can't I just try it mm. to the idea of, no, we actually make our life choices in order to access the power of God in our lives. Right. And so when it comes to the idea of alcohol for me, I kind of have to ask myself that question, does alcohol... Um, does it promote a relationship with God for me? Does it promote a godly character? Does it promote my ability to um, be receptive to the influence of the Holy Spirit? And remain responsible. Exactly, and mm. remain responsible altogether, you know. And, and at that yeah. time, um, with that being my first really experience with with those sorts of things, that wasn't really happening for me. But after sure. that experience, I had to have that realization of, yes, I've been giving this amazing foundation Yes, I've tripped up here, but I can now more fully understand the reasons why I was given my upbringing mm. because I need to be connected with that power of God going from the forms to the power. Yeah. Um, and that was a really big, um, yeah, I guess, philosoph- philosophical thing for me to work through. So it worked through well. Yeah. yeah. Well, remarkable. Look, and, and so when you were with your friends, you were a certain Dana. Mm-hmm. And then when you were at home, there was another Dana and yes. perhaps at church, another Dana. Yes. And I, sometimes people 
pigeonhole things, mm. and that's how they cope with it. Mm. So they don't feel they uh, are being unfaithful to any of the others. It's just the environment dictates how they behave and what they say and do. Mm. Is that pretty much how you, for a little while, definitely. dealt with it as well? Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely saw my life as having different little boxes mm. and that I could be whoever I needed to be when I was in that space. But I think after that experience that I had in that school, um, I realized that you can't be a different person in every environment. Like we're called to be very consistent and a particular right. light everywhere. Mm. And that was a really massive thing for me to kind of come to terms with. And even for the fact that I wasn't there to step into the chaos of my friend's life, but I was really there to bring them into the peace of mind, really, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so... I was really, as as a Christian and as someone who had been raised the way I had in my home, I should have been going into that school and I should have been entering into those social situations consistent enough to be a witness to them. Mm. But instead, I, I failed on that point. And um, that's been something that I feel I have to be really intentional about now in my life, um, having okay. had that experience. And so yes. I definitely want that consistency. And um, whether that means people choose not to like me anymore, you know, and as when you're a young teen, that's a big deal to that you. It's a very big deal, but, yes. But as you kind of have those experiences and mature and, um, yeah, things things change. And Yeah, that's well, that's very true. So you, you uh, look, obviously you've turned out okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> made it out alive for okay. But at the time, there's no guarantees, and I can understand the concern of your parents. No, uh, definitely. You know, they've taught you a certain way. All of a sudden, they're seeing going the opposite direction. Mm. They must have been very worried. Is this a one-off? Is this going to be happen again? Is it going to become part of your life? Mm. How is this going to shape your life into the future? Will it wreck your life? Will it? So all these questions at that time would have been real, and the concerns would have been great. So. Um, how long do you take to work through this? Because some of us take longer than others and some of us never recover. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it took me a really long time. And to be honest, I think it um, for me to fully process um, everything that kind of happened around that time, it took me a, at least a few years to, mm. to really get through that for myself and um, to even... Okay, so we're not talking about a matter of weeks or months. No, I, it took a long time so you, for me to work through that. You worried your parents for a while Oh, then, yeah, you? look, <laughs> it's, it's okay. We ended up moving countries, went to an Adventist high school, and everything was fantastic. So oh, okay. Because, <laughs> again, we kind of got put into another environment. But, yeah. like, yeah, for myself to work through that, it took a long time. And I think um, I'm blessed with, with praying parents. My parents Amen. are prayer warriors. And mm. um, um, particularly dad has been a, a very much a role model for me in that area of life. And yeah. I know that he was praying relentlessly Mm. Um, and it kind of got to the point where both mum and dad sat down one day and said you know we don't believe that where we are is the correct environment for our children and we are worried and um, we need to pray about what to do about this yeah and so um, mum and dad ended up kind of laying out a fleece if you will before God Mm. and kind of said look we sense as parents that it may be time for us to step into a new environment, but we want to leave this open to you. So mum ended up applying for a number of jobs all over New Zealand and Australia, and they left that out before God and said, look, this is um, this is a huge decision. We want this yeah. to be your decision. We want you to show us without a shadow of a doubt that, um, that you are going to be leading us somewhere. Mm. And a company in Melbourne contacted mum and said, hey, listen, we want you to come over um, to take this administrative position um, with the University of Latrobe. Okay. We'll pay for you to come over. We'll pay for your family to come over. We'll pay for you to move your whole household over. Wow. 
which is really unheard of for someone to take an administrative position at a university mm. to to have the ho- your whole life paid to be moved over, and um, through prayer and a lot of consideration and, and time. And the provinces of God, no doubt, with those doors opening so wide. Definitely, yeah. that's um, mum and dad took that as a sign and said, "Look, we're we're going to take it. We're going to go." And so we ended up shifting um, to Melbourne. Um, in Victoria and um, attended an Adventist high school. We were reintegrated into this incredible Adventist environment, spiritual environment, mm. made new friends, and it yeah, really um, assisted both my brother and I in kind of stepping forward in our spiritual journeys. It was amazing. Wonderful. So when you hear the news that you've got to leave your friends behind, because obviously you're enjoying their company, you're, you know, you're part, of the, part of the crowd, mm. how did you feel? I felt pretty devastated. Um, I remember actually getting the phone call from mum telling us we were moving and um, I was on a Pathfinder camp at the time with my friends um, Mm. from church and I remember being quite devastated and um, wondering why this was kind of happening and how it would look and all those anxieties come up. But I I think deep down in the back of my mind I knew that we needed something better for us um, and okay. that um, I needed, particularly my school environment, um, even though that incident um, of my suspension had passed, the environment of the people I was with hadn't really changed much. And so I think deep down I wanted something better and I wanted a different direction for my mm. life. And so when the time came to, to go, I was like, you know what, let's just do this. Let's go on an adventure. Wow. Okay, so, so you finally accepted it and thought there might yeah. be something good in it. Mm. So you mentioned something interesting. You're at a Pathfinder camp. So mm. you haven't I mean, you haven't become so reckless. You've totally abandoned spiritual No, not at all. Things <laughs> or the church as such. So you're still in the church? Still in the church, yes. But you're also in the world in a sense? Yes. So still kind of living that kind of double standard, mm. kind of double life thing. How common is that? For young people growing up nowadays? I would say that's fairly common, even mm. um, today in, in my own church. Um, now as a young adult, I mean, I'm, I'm 26 this month and I still have people my age that are very much living that kind of double life or thinking, yep, I can come to church and I can, I can praise and I can go to Sabbath school and I can contribute to the church in this way. But then as soon as the evening comes, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make that decision during the week. I'm going to make these other life choices and it's it's hard to see sure. um, especially given kind of the, the journey that I've been on mm. to, to see that happening within people my age Wow! Um, but very very common I'd say I was also brought up in a Christian household and that was pretty much it for us as well the secular things were very important the Sabbath the Christian things that we do where we had worship at night the rest of the time we'd be doing our own thing We wouldn't think about God too much Unless there was trouble Then you start calling on the Lord <laughs> uh-huh. And then also we'd have Sabbath But we couldn't wait for the Sabbath to be over When the Sabbath closing's over We can go and do the stuff we really want to do Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's the biggest issue I'd say With the youth in, At least that I'm experiencing in my mm. spheres Is the idea of the Sabbath And um, people kind of stepping to the edge of like Well, why can't I just go and play my competitive sport on the Sabbath? I guess in a way I'm ministering to them Why can't I go right. to this mat, this game on the Sabbath? Why can't I um, go to this concert on a Friday night? You know, just kind of trying to push those boundaries of like mm. what, Is it a sin? Is it wrong? Yeah. Does this affect my salvation? And it's all these kind of questions Question, sure. come up Which is... Um, which is interesting to kind of see that happening. Yeah. So we're trying to figure out what the minimum requirement is for us to get into the kingdom. Basically, yes. <laughs> how much of stuff? How much? How yeah. many things can I do <laughs> that yeah. I like? <laughs> so it's not so much about being the salt of the earth and being the light of the world. It's well, I might mind being a light, but maybe if I can just tweak things a little bit, I can be a, a light in a different way. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's look. It's very subtle, and uh, it's these are the challenges we face. 
And quite often people think this is just what Christianity is about. Mm. We do our worldly thing. We call out to God. We believe there's a God. And when we're in trouble, we ask him to bless us. When we have relationship issues, we ask him to comfort us. Mm. So we have our hand out when we require the Lord. But he's sort of on the outer perimeter, basically, on the shelf. And occasionally we dust him off and have a quick look. Yes, like mm. having all those what we believe are the forms of religion and we have the forms of what we think is obedience, that's enough, but we actually lack all of the power that is then promised to us from God. That is true, yeah. And look, I know this is your testimony, but this is just you bring up so many things that are just bringing up memories (laughs) for me. I never knew that the relationship with God on offer was as awesome as it was when I actually finally tasted and saw that the Lord Mm. was good. Mm. So I just thought that was Christianity. That's how my friends had it. That's how their family handled it. Look, my parents weren't happy with the worldly stuff I was getting into, worldly music and that, and how it Mm. absorbed my attention, and even worldly movies and how that Mm. absorbed my attention. Um, But uh, somehow that was somehow accepted, frowned upon. I knew they weren't happy with it, but that's what we young people did. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay, so you, you transition now. You find yourself in Australia. You're back in a Christian school. Um, do you just click with some new friends because they're more like-minded than you? Uh, are all the temptations gone now and you're in a little utopia, spiritual utopia? <laughs> um, I would say it, it felt more utopia than anything okay. else. Um, right. It, um, when, I, when I met my new friends at the school, the first thing I noticed is that everyone was just so happy. Hmm. And I was... I was looking at this like, wow, I am not used to seeing all these high so school So this is a kids. marked contrast in your mind from where you've come from. Huge contrast. Like where I'd come from, like all of my friends where they were, a lot of them were incredibly depressed. Some of them were even um, engaging in self-harm during class. They'd be sitting beside me in class self-harming. Um, a lot oh. of them were taking drugs. There were drugs at school. Alcohol was a big deal. It was... There was so much happening at that school. There was so much hurt and brokenness, and that really kind of got got to me. Yeah. And so stepping into this new school, everyone was so happy. There were genuine Christians, those that were not just going to church and being Christians there, but they were being Christians at school. They were talking to me about God at school. Wow. And I thought, this is incredible. And so— okay, So you actually liked it. You embraced it. I loved it. I thought, mm. this is what I've been wanting. And, like, whatever they have, I want it. Like, yeah, it wow. was It was incredible because I was really tired of just being, like, upset by my friends and my friends being— um, in this depressive spiral and pulling me down with them. It was really tiring and I yeah, didn't realize. Yeah, a lot of energy goes into that stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so seeing the genuine joy of these these Adventist kids my age at this school really gave me hope mm. that there, there could be a more positive experience um, in my education and in my kind of crucial teenage years. And I, I embraced it and ran with it. So, so roughly what age are you now that you are at this Christian school in Melbourne? 15 years old. 15. Yes. Okay. So, uh, right. So, character still being formed. Yep, and, um, it is. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But that really gave me the encouragement I needed. Those friends that I had at that crucial point in time gave me that encouragement to, to really pursue God and spirituality a little more seriously and consistently across my whole life mm. and to um, yeah, and to keep good company and yeah. to recognize what good company was and how to be a good influence on others just like they were being a good influence on me as well, which... So your experience prior to that, you know, in the secular school and the friends and that, do you think that uh, was helpful to you to see some of the pitfalls potentially and make better decisions now that you almost have a new start in a sense? Yeah, definitely. I think hindsight was amazing at that Mm. point. Um, And those experiences that I had definitely shaped my decision-making processes from then on even until now. So I'm grateful, um, even though I had some um, pretty disappointing experiences and know that I put my parents through a little bit of strife during that time, I'm grateful for that. And I'm really grateful that they followed God's calling 
to, to move to a different place and to put us in an environment where we could be influenced for the better now. So Yeah, wonderful. Mm. So the environment changes for you. Mm. But ultimately, uh, we're not saved corporately. We're saved individually, which yes. makes up the corporate body. Mm. But dear listener, we are speaking to Dana Petrie. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. We are just going to take a short break here, and then we'll hear part two of her story. Stay tuned. Jesus spoke to his disciples one day somewhat cryptically when he said to them in Matthew 16 and verse 6, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. He was trying to get the disciples to think and realize what was going on in their hearts. The religious leaders asked Jesus to show them a sign from heaven. So Jesus warns the disciples and they wonder what he means. Could it be because we have no bread, they wonder? And then Jesus reminds them, remember the time I fed the 5,000 and the other time when I fed the 4,000? It seems the disciples were wondering why Jesus didn't give the Pharisees and Sadducees the sign they wanted, even after Jesus had given anyone who cared to stop and think all the signs they'd ever need. Wouldn't you think it a bit unnecessary for the disciples to think that Jesus should give a sign? Sure it was. But people like you and me do the same thing all the time. Jesus brings you into the world, takes care of you, gives you the beauty of the world to enjoy, showers you with blessing. And yet there are times when we doubt that God is really with us and we feel that if if only God would show us that he's with us, then we'd be okay. Today, you can be certain Jesus is with you, that God is for you and not against you, that God sees you and knows you and loves you, that he's doing all he can to bless your life. But I'm broke. Still, you have evidence that God is with you. You've already seen the signs. But I'm, I'm ill. That's really unfortunate, but still God is with you. You've seen the signs already. Faith believes the promises of God and trusts them to be true. Don't go by appearances in determining your place in God's heart. God is with you. His presence and his blessings are in plain view. I'm John Bradshaw for It Is Written. Let's live today by every word. Dear listener, thank you for staying with us. We are talking to Dana Petrie, and she's telling us her life story here on By the Word of Their Testimony. My name is Etienne McClintock. Now, Dana, just before the break, you were telling us about getting into this wonderful environment where you come across some happy people. It's a Christian environment. It's a Christian school, and you are really impressed by these people and think this looks really attractive. Mm. But ultimately, at some stage in our lives, we've got to make decisions for ourselves. But just start talking us through. You're in the school environment. What happens subsequent to that? Yeah, so um, I feel really positive about um, the friendships that I have, the direction that they've been taking in their lives, and Mm. I'm inspired to follow that as well. Um, I started taking church more seriously, um, started leading out in music in church. Um, Because music is still a big part of your guys' life? Definitely, yes. And um, I start to make wiser choices in terms of the types of music I start to listen to. Mm. I'm more intentional about that being a real spiritual, um, yeah, a worship-centered place for me. Um, And... Yeah, after high school, I decided to take a gap year. And in that gap year, I thought, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with my life. And um, during my gap year, I thought, let's get a job um, so I can work while I figure out what I'm doing next year. Okay. Um, I took up a role of youth pastoral worker at my church um, oh, wow. 20 hours a week, which um, was another step up in yeah. that kind of faith journey. I was like, cool, I've had this experience with my friends. They've really put me um, back into this 
headspace of, you know, I should be taking God seriously. I want to discover this joy that they have. Mm. And I um, really started to experience that for myself. And so I stepped into that kind of half ministerial role, I guess, kind of put my toes in it, um, being a youth pastor, a worker. And so had the opportunities to um, give Bible studies to to girls in primary school, which um, was Amazing! It was crazy um, mm. to be in that position. So you had a bit of grounding in the word, yeah, I did, because yeah. of your education and your upbringing and your your parents' influence. Yeah, definitely. And mm. so then had this little opportunity to put that into practice and to be mentoring other young girls through Bible studies um, coming up, and um, not only Bible studies with them, but Bible studies with my youth group. I even tried to preach a sermon a couple of times, which is massive for an eighteen-year-old. It was no doubt it was nuts. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of opportunities to to really share my faith, and yeah, I really believe that when we do get opportunities to share, it gives us a desire to learn more, mm. but it, um, it also just increases your faith. It increases your relationship when you share. That's Def- definitely, a yeah. crucial part. So um, so that was kind of the next step for me. What happened after that, though, um, was um, a bit of a wild story. I, was, I came back to my high school to sing for a fundraising event, and one of the high school teachers, she'd never actually taught me in school, but I'd seen her around. She came to me afterwards and said, look, as you were singing for that fundraiser, I really felt impressed by God to ask you to come to Zimbabwe with me. Hmm. Um, she said, I have um, an orphanage that I helped to run over there. I also run a school over there. I've got my own non-for-profit um, organization. There's just going to be like four of us going over, but I thought maybe we could do some music ministry, but I really feel impressed by God to ask you. And so I'm like, this sounds incredible. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm keen for this adventure. And so I run over to my mum and dad and I'm like, look, I, how would you feel about me going to Africa? And, of course, um, dad spent a lot of his childhood years in Africa That's right. with his parents. And mm. so dad was like, well, look, you can be the third generation of our family to go back to Africa. Like, for sure. Um, set it up Mm. but don't tell grandma she'll be worried (laughs) basically (laughs) and um, so I told I told this teacher Megan then I thought I said yeah I'm very interested keep me posted Um, I'll start saving money like let's do this basically and about a week later she called me and said I'm sitting with the flight center I'm sitting at the flight center and they're saying we have return tickets for an incredible price we're not going to get this again it expires tomorrow. Can you come in and buy the tickets? It was $3,000. Wow. We did not have that kind of money. Mm. Um, Dad was still studying his PhD at that time. Okay. Mum was the only one working. They'd just finished putting me through school. We didn't have the money. Um, putting you through school, talking about a private school. Which yeah, is, private schooling. Yeah. And mm. so they, they'd already made massive sacrifices for that. Yeah. And so I said to Megan, I was like, look, I will – get back to you in a few minutes. Just give me a second to see what I can kind of scrap together. And I ran downstairs and my like, mom, dad, I need $3,000, please. They're like, we don't have any money. Ask your brother. And my brother was doing an apprenticeship at this point and um, he really disliked it. At his apprenticeship, he was told, here's a broom, sweep the floor. He'd sweep the entire floor of the workspace and he'd say, I'm done, what next? Sweep it again. It was it was awful. He had an yeah. awful experience. And so he would come home, throw his bag on the floor in a great mood at the end of every day. Also, he's very business-minded, would never even loan me $5 without an interest repayment plan. Oh, really? It was it was literally like that. So okay. <laughs> when they said, ask your brother, I looked at them and said, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> I can't even ask to borrow $5. This is not going to happen. Yeah, like, don't throw me some crumbs here. I need something substantial. Exactly. <laughs> I need something realistic. Yeah. But they said, look, this is your only your only option. You need to ask your brother if he would be willing to take out money on the loan he already has to give you $3,000. And in my mind, I thought, this is a joke. But mm. I went back up to my room, 
I got on my knees and I just said, like, God, you impressed Megan to ask me to go with her. And if this is what you want, you have to open up the way for me. Mm. And so I heard my brother come home from work. And I'm like, well, it didn't sound like the door slammed that hard. And okay. I didn't hear his bag hit the floor. So maybe might he's in a... Might be a good a, day. It might be a good day. So I, mm. I come down the stairs and I kind of creep into his room. I'm like, oh, hey, Josh, like... I have this opportunity to go to Africa and I really want to go, but, like, I need money and, like, I'll pay you back. I mean, I have a job, but, like, can I borrow $3,000? Hmm. And he didn't even flinch. He was reading a letter and he just said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And for anyone who understands who my brother is, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, that is that's a miracle. So you saw a side of your brother you'd never, ever seen before? Never, and I've never seen since. Oh, yes. okay. <laughs> if Josh is listening. <laughs> Sorry, Josh, love you. But And and I I was in shock. I was ready to be like, oh, but please. And I'm like, wait, he said yes. And I was like, did you hear me say $3,000? He said, yeah, yeah, no, I heard you. That's fine. I'm like, I need it today. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it right now. And he transferred $3,000 into my account within the next five minutes. Whoa. And I was thinking, this is, I don't even know what to do with this. But I was like... Okay, God, this is a little more serious than I anticipated. Okay, Mm. so I went down to the shopping center and I found the agent that Megan was working with and I bought my tickets to go to Africa and I thought, okay, incredible. This is great. And um, at the time I'd been talking with Dad about what I was going to study and kind of what I wanted to make my career for the rest of my life really. Um, And he said, you know, why don't you make your trip to Africa a, a fleece for God to show you what you're going to do with your life. And I thought, this is a great idea. This is Mm. great. And in my mind, I'd been tossing up between education and nursing. And in my mind, I thought, you know what? I think nursing could really do more for the world. I could really be hands-on and I could um, really contribute to society that way. I could go overseas and work in in third world countries that way. Like, I think nursing is going to be my thing. And dad's like, yeah, okay, you're tossing up between these two things. Give it to God and let him show you. Mm. So before I left for Zimbabwe, I prayed and said, all right, God, whatever need you show me while I'm there, that's what I'm going to come back to Australia. I'm going to train for it. And I want you to bring me back so I can fulfill that need at some point in my life. But that's what I'm going to train for. And that's what I'm going to make my life's work. And in my mind, I thought, I've tricked God. I'm going to Bulawayo. I'm going to the slums of Bulawayo. I'm going to see sick kids. I'm going to see a need for medical attention. So I thought, I've tricked God. I've got this. I've like made a right. deal so for you've, myself. You've set this up. You've stacked the deck, basically. Mm-hmm. So it falls into your favor and what you think God's going to call you to. Yep, definitely. Wow. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like, cool. Yes, I put my fleece out, but I'm going to be watering it. You know? like, <laughs> I, so I fully thought I'd outsmarted God at this point. And so we fly over to um, Zimbabwe. We get to Bulawayo. Um, we get to the home that we're staying in and we start interacting with the people and we start um, yeah, doing some of the work of this NGO that Megan was running. Hmm. And the entire time that we were there, we were in schools. We were painting schools. We were digging a garden for the schools. We were getting furniture for the schools. We were um, even doing professional development with some of the teachers, teaching classes. Like It was all about schools and mm. education. Yeah. And I thought, oh, come on, when am I going to see a need for some medical attention here, mm. you know? And um so I found I found that a bit kind of stressful. Didn't get a blister working. No, it was it was terrible. <laughs> I thought my plan is failing. This is not good. And we came to the last night that we were working at one of these schools, and I was um, helping cook dinner for the students with one of the teachers, and she was talking to me like about where I was from and what I was doing, and I said, mm. "Yeah, look, I'm about to start university next year, and I'm really not sure what I'm going to study. Like maybe nursing, maybe teaching. Like I'm really not sure yet." Mm. And I hadn't told anybody else about my deal with God. Hadn't told a single person. But she kind of paused. And she looked at me and she just stopped what she was doing. And she said, look, 
you know, a lot of people like you, you come over here and you think that we need medical attention and you think that medical attention here is what's going to save lives. And she said, what saves lives here is education. Really? Yes. And she said, when these students come in, because this school was specifically for the kids in the slums that couldn't afford education, Mm. so the parents paid $1 per term. Um, She said, kids come in here, their parents are illiterate. Their parents' parents were illiterate. Their parents were illiterate. They come to school and they're breaking that cycle of illiteracy. They learn to um, count money. They learn business schools. They learn to read and write. They can then break that generational cycle that's been going for whoever knows, like, how long that's been going for, Mm. and they can make a life for themselves. This is saving lives. This is really the work that's being done here. Wow. I was speechless because I hadn't told her what my deal with God was, but mm. um, I, I believe God spoke through her in that time. And I was. It's almost like she'd read your mind? She had, yes. Yeah. I was like, who told you this? Like, how did you know this about me? And I was, I was shocked and I had, I had nothing to say. I thought, oh my goodness, I feel like God has really spoken um, in this way. And yeah. Um, of course, still we like to hold on to our little, you know, oh, but I really thought that, you know, I was going in a different direction. But um, we ended up walking down the street um, of Bulawayo and, of, of course, there's dust everywhere, rubbish flying everywhere, you know. There's mm. not – you can't find anything that's really clean in the streets there. But we're walking and there's this massive billboard um, with all sorts of paper flying off it. But there was one huge piece of crisp white paper with big bold black text on it. There was no advertisement, no number to call, nothing, but all it said on that big billboard was teachers desperately needed. And that's all it said. Really? And I walked and I looked at the sign, felt really mad, looked away and walked <laughs> the other direction. <laughs> okay. And now the Bible talks about, you know, by two or three witnesses, every thought will be established. You've had mm, two now, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, and by, by that point, I realized that God was really saying something to me. Mm. And I thought, okay, if God's going to literally have this, this teacher at a school whom I hardly know read my mind yeah. and tell me exactly what the needs of this place are without my bias. And if I'm going to walk down a street and pull away and see a massive billboard telling me teachers are desperately needed like this. Mm. This is the sign that, yeah. that I had asked for. Yeah, well, well, there were two options, basically. Yep. So you're going to have a message one way or the other, and this was the one second one in a row. Yep, and I thought, all right, I guess this is it. And, I mean, by the end of my um, – we were there for almost four weeks. By the end of my almost four weeks in, in Bulawayo there, the, the most medically pressing situation that we had was a girl had a splinter in her finger. Oh, and and I thought, okay, here we go. Like, I'm, my decision's been made. And so um, when I left and came back to Australia, when I came home, of course, like the flight was long and the, the first thing you want to do is just kind of just go to sleep. But I opened up my laptop. I deleted the nursing application that I had already made before I left because I was so convinced. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> and I typed up um, an application to study teaching and I chose primary primary teaching um, just for the fact that, you know, if you're going to be teaching in developing countries, the main form of education that you need to give to any mm. sort of um, age group will be that basis of literacy and numeracy. And so I thought, I need to learn how to do that. I'm going to train myself. I'm going to make this my life work. Right. Education will be my passion. And I put that application in. And um, that was, I would say, the conversion point in my life. And when I say conversion point, I mean the point where I decided that my spirituality and my walk with God wasn't going to be confined to church. It Mm. was going to be extended to my whole life um, and that I would make my life's work and my life's mission 
my spiritual mission and I'd be living that out everywhere. And because I'd mm. left that open to God and I'd put that fleece out and he so powerfully intervened and went, yep, this is it. Yeah. Um, I just realized, look, God cares about me. He cares about my life. He does want to direct me. Wow. And so I'm going to put my life in step with what I believe he's shown me mm. and um, have just um, watched the benefits of that and the blessings that come with that um, really eventuate throughout um, all the time that I was studying and even now being a teacher full-time in Adelaide. Um, I can really see that play out and it's really been my point of encouragement. I look back at that point as that was it. God cares about me, intimately about my life, and I can trust him mm. to direct me the way I need to go and I will walk with the Lord in every area of my life. So you had an idea. Mm-hmm. There was a secondary, there's a plan B, but you weren't interested in the plan B, which was <laughs> teaching. Yes. You thought plan A was what you were convinced that this is where the Lord would lead and mm-hmm. you were hoping that the deck stacked that way would uh, turn out that way. Mm-hmm. But then you come to a point where God convinces you that that's not what he wants for you. He sees something better. Mm. And for you now to fully go get on board, you've got to fully trust God's decision for you rather than where you think you need to be. Mm-hmm. Trust him implicitly. Mm. And that's what you call your conversion experience, saying, I'm going to follow the Lord. He knows better. I trust him completely. Yes. And for wow. anyone that knows how stubborn I can be in my personality, that's a huge deal. <laughs> Look, it, it is a big deal. And this really the simplicity of the gospel, if we're going to break it down, when Adam and Eve believed a lie, they went contrary to God's will and desire for them. Mm. They had children after they had that. Now, we, by nature, we have two things that affect us. There's the hereditary tendencies and then it's the cultivated tendencies. The mm. cultivated tendencies is what we're responsible for. But the hereditary tendencies is what we can inherit, including those weaknesses. We inherit a fallen humanity. Mm which is one that by nature doesn't really want to trust God. We want to run our own ship, and we want to be, dare I say, the God of our own life because we make the decisions for ourselves. So that's a big decision, and as simple as it sounds, it's profound Hmm. because it is about surrendering of our own will to the will of God and trusting him implicitly. Hmm. That is conversion. Yeah, definitely. That's living by the word. We should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Definitely. Mm. And yeah, I'd say that's probably been, even today, my biggest challenge for myself in my life is just continuing that. Um, And you mentioned earlier, taste and see that the Lord is good. When I think of taste and see, I think of trust and see. Yes. And um, I really think about how when we read scripture and we read it for ourselves and everything that we read, we say, what is this saying to me? I know that it sounds like this person's talking to somebody else and mm. or maybe that person has that sin or that person's going that way, but I'm not. But when I think about how does that apply to me and what is God asking me to do with my finances, with my health, with my relationships, mm. with my life direction, with my what I make my, my vocation, you know, what is God asking me to do and then falling into trust with that? Um, there are just natural blessings that come with us. God's like, I know the best way for you in your life. Yeah. You know, I know the best relationships you should be investing in. I know the best way for you to invest your finances. I know the best way for you to serve your community. Like, trust me. Mm. And so that's my, my challenge now. Like, I don't want my whole Christian experience now and for me for the rest of my life to be based on that one time I had in Africa. That was definitely my conversion point. But I yeah. want so regularly, even at the point... I'd love to get to a point where I could say every day I can see the power of God stepping into my life. And that is a new conversion point every day. Like I think the power of God is there for us every day. Um, mm. And as much as I appreciate my conversion point, I just can't wait to to keep testing God 
and to keep trusting God and letting that go through in my life. That is fantastic. Now, you said something else that was really profound there. You said instead of thinking that this text or this verse in the Bible applies to someone else, Mm. you make it apply to yourself. Mm. And quite often when we read the Bible, we, we don't do a direct application. It's almost like we're listening into a conversation that God is having with someone else. We're eavesdropping a little bit. Hmm. But meantime, maybe God is actually talking to us. Maybe that relates to us. And our first response to Scripture should always be our relationship between God and ourselves, not about the, fellow, the other guy beside us. Yeah, definitely. You get that relationship light. You get the love of God shed out in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Then your relationship with other people is so much better as well because you're a different person. You have more patience. You have the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace. You even have temperance, which is another word for self-control. So that is really exciting. Mm. And and the important thing you also mentioned there is that it's not to be a one-off event. Mm. As great as that event was, and you can see it being pivotal in your life in the direction that God is steering you, we can have that experience with God every every single day. And it reminded me of a text. I'm just thinking, I think it's Lamentations. Let me just find Lamentations here very quickly. Mm. Uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23 and 22. It says, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Mm. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And it's that newness every morning, that new connection, that reacquaintance with God, that recommitment that is a beautiful experience. Mm. But you can base off past experiences as well because there's no doubt the Bible encourages us to not forget how the Lord has led us in the past Mm. and his past teachings. Definitely, yes. Mm. So um, you go down this path, you go and study for a number of years to get your qualification. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there ever any point where you're tempted to think, mm, I don't know if I should have done this? <laughs> there, there are multiple times as you're studying and um, exams come up or um, you're in the middle of a placement and things get tough that you're thinking, how in the world am I going to get through this? Mm. Like uh, maybe God made a mistake, you know, mm. <laughs> maybe I misinterpreted. But I think the great thing about the experience I had is that there's by no means could I say God misinterpreted what he said to me or that I misinterpreted. So yes. that was good to reflect on. And I was grateful for the ability to look back on those experiences and say, no, God specifically told me <laughs> that this is where I'm meant to be. Right. And um, And knowing, I think, without a shadow of a doubt that, God led me to a specific place really helps me get through those tough times. Mm. So even though there were times of discouragement, I was able to look back and say God's leading was here. And I was also able to, you know, make contact with my extremely godly parents and talk with them. And they were able to encourage me and give me Bible verses and pray with me and for me. And um, so, yeah, I found moving on from there um, not as shaky as it possibly could have been if I didn't have that conviction that it's where I was meant to be. Hmm. Because quite often people will actually be convicted on something. It's a conviction that comes from the Lord through the Holy Spirit, through circumstances. You know, his providence has seemed to suggest all that. We go down that path, and then all of a sudden the path is not smooth and as easy as we (laughs) thought. It's not that utopia. It's not, you know, quite often the movies just end there, but they don't show what happens subsequent to that. Mm. And uh, it's good that you can tell us the practical implications because although the Lord puts us down a path, sometimes there'll still be challenges. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we'll still question. But ultimately through that, if we are faithful to God's word, I mean, God does not... He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Sometimes even in those moments of silence, we just got to reflect back and say, yes, it was the Lord's voice. Everything still indicates that. Let me not second guess that. Then we keep on going down the path. Mm. So you're down this path a few years now. Yes, I am. And as you look back, Mm. you still have the same convictions. I still have the same convictions. I think um, my teaching experience over the last three years, I've had some of the toughest encounters, Mm. um, really 
I'd say of my life even yeah. um, in some of the things I've had to had to go through and um, yeah and looking back I'm so grateful for the leading that God has showed me and even for those really hard experiences because I can really see that practical application of you know we're being refined in the fire mm. and um, I heard a really awesome analogy of that there was a, a pastor was saying that when people were refining silver like back in biblical times, yeah. they would, of course, heat it up so that all the impurities would bubble to the surface. That's it would right. go through the fire and that wipe off that surface, mm. that heat it up again, all the impurities would come again. You know, we go through that hard time, we get through it, another one comes up, another one comes up. But the silversmith knew when the silver was ready because after he'd wiped off all the imperfections, he'd look over the top and he would see his own reflection in it. Wow, so like a mirror. That's mm. how we would know the silver had been refined. Yeah. And so when I reflect on my journey and, and how rocky things have been despite being called this way, I just have to keep that in the forefront of my mind that, you know, God's not going to stop until his reflection is seen in me. And so it's not my job to get discouraged. It's my job to persevere and to trust again, trust and see, <laughs> taste and see. Absolutely, yes. The Bible talks about the fact that the just shall live by faith or by their faith. Mm. So it's faith continuously in God. Regardless of what will happen mm. I mean, We talk about the great heroes of the Bible Like those three guys are going to get thrown in the fiery furnace If they don't bow down to this image that's been set up right? Mm. And they say Listen Nebuchadnezzar we're very clear on this point We don't even have to second guess ourselves God can, God can Protect us, he can save us But even if he doesn't mm. We trust God fully and whatever happens We will be faithful to him mm-hmm. And so that's very important That's the message you're clearly bringing out yeah, as well Definitely I like the uh, imagery you use there about the silver being refined and cleaned. And, you know, there's this this coating on it and you can't really clearly see a reflection. But as it gets purer, the reflection becomes more full and more, more clear. Mm. And there's a text in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 that says, But we with unveiled face behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Mm. So it's that continuous refining and reflecting. And look, at the time when you go through it, it doesn't feel that nice, does it? No, it does not. But afterwards, as it says there in Hebrews, it brings the peaceable fruits of righteousness. You're better for it. You're stronger for it. And you're actually more capable of helping and supporting your fellow man who might be going through something similar. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, we only have a couple of minutes left before we share our contact details here. Uh, What are you... um, going to do with your music career and your uh, education career uh, can you blend them are you, are they always going to be separate or? yeah I am in this place right now where I have no idea what my future holds um, but I all I know is that my music and my my music career I've already dedicated to God I'm, okay so there's no contradiction no not, not at all you're and waiting for God to open and close the right doors wrong, close the wrong doors open the right doors definitely yes and so I feel confident that because I've dedicated that to God he's going to lead me in that direction um, I've already dedicated my career in education to God um, mm. I, I suppose I hope that it would lead me back to a place like Africa um, because my initial kind of covenant with God at that point was you show me the need I will make that my life work and I'll come back and I will fulfill that need. And so I kind of made that promise to God as part of that fleece out kind of covenant thing. And Mm. so I'm really hoping that at some point God leads me back somewhere and says, all right, I gave you your life work. You accepted that. You had faith in me. You trusted. You tasted and you saw that it was good. You ran with it. 
here is what I prepared you for. Here was what all of your refining was for. Here's what all of your struggles and the things that I helped you persevere through. Mm. Here's what it was for. Here's, here's your life work here. So I'm really excited for that moment. I don't know whether my music and education will combine at any point. Sure. But, but you're not worried about it. You, not at all. You trust God in that. I'm just very excited. I'm sitting back, empty empty page. I'm very excited. Yeah. But at the moment, you are blooming where you planted. Definitely, yes. That's wonderful. That's a, that's a great attitude to have. Look, thank you so much for sharing your testimony. Dear listener, thank you also for staying us here on the program. You are listening to By the Word of the Testimony. My name is Etienne McClintock. My special guest in the studio is Dana Petrie. We will just share our contact details with you now in case you want to get in touch or want to know more or you want to know more about the album and when it's available. Um, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456, or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, I hope you got those contact details down. We always look forward to hearing from you and getting feedback on our programs. Now, Dana, just as we wrap up this program, um, obviously we've got young and old listening to us. Dear listener, we pray you've been encouraged by Dana's testimony and sharing her life story. But Dana, can you give us some words of encouragement? Now, we may have a listener out there who might be a young person. They might be another part of their life, but they might need some encouragement at the moment. They might be distracted. Can you just share a few thoughts with us as we close? Yeah, I, I guess I'd like to um, encourage anyone who's listening that feels um, the stories resonated with them um, to really get into the Word of God and to seek out those principles that God designed us to live by mm. and taste and see, trust and see the blessings that will be poured into your life abundantly through following those. Um, the th- the things we were raised with, you know, the keeping of the Sabbath, um, focusing on our health, um, investing in media that is um, substantial and isn't damaging, all of those things that we are raised with, they're not just forms, they're not just empty forms of religion, they're actually things that give us blessings. And so I would like to encourage um, anyone that might be struggling on the edge of a decision um, to look to God, look to his word for principles to live by, even though they might be contrary to your social situation, they might be contrary to what you're already doing, but dive into those and just see. You honestly have nothing to lose Mm. by trying, by tasting and seeing. If you jump into those and you really apply those to your life and you, you taste and see, and in the end, if that doesn't work for you, then, hey, that's fine, but I just encourage you to try it for yourself and see it beyond the forms of a religion that are dead, but into tapping into the power of God and the Mm. blessings that he wants to give you for that. And um, in James 5, it talks about how Elijah was a human being just as we are. But when he prayed, it didn't rain for three and a half years. Mm. And so don't ever think for a second that because you're not Elijah or you're not Moses or you're not another one of those prophets from the Bible that you don't have access to the power of God. The Bible explicitly tells us that Elijah was just like us and there was power in his prayer and there's power into tapping into God and following his principles for our life. So 
test and see that God is good. Taste and see. That would be my encouragement. Mm, amen. Thank you so much. Daniel Peter, thank you for coming in and being our special guest on By the Word of Their Testimony. Dear listener, thank you also for being with us today. We pray that God will continue to guide you, lead you, and bless you. And as you continue to taste, may you also experience the joy of knowing God and His salvation. Until next time. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.